0: Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These discussions are about how to discover, develop, and deliver endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, best-selling author of Endeavor and founder of Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work at becreativeonpurpose.com. But now let's meet today's guest. Hayden Paulsino hensley welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are what you're up to these days, and where we can connect with you to learn more. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having
1: me. Um, As you said, my name is Hayden, and I am the co-owner of Red Rooster Coffee Roaster in Floyd, Virginia, along with my wife, Rose. And um, we're a small batch coffee roaster that sells uh, award-winning coffee all over the country and has a we have a, a nice little cafe in the town of Floyd, which I see Scott every day it's nice. and uh, And I appreciate it. And uh, our, our website is uh, redroostercoffee.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at redroostercoffeeroaster, Twitter, redroostercr, and Facebook
0: as Red Rooster Coffee. Fantastic. Well, one of the things that I'm most excited to talk to you about Um, We've known each other for 10 10 or 12 years or so, and we first met when you were returning to Floyd from wherever you had escaped to previously. Who knows? And you were were a playwright, and you were producing and directing a a play along with Rose um, that my youngest son, Emerson, was a a cast member of. Uh, And then I saw you a few years later, and you were starting a coffee Poster and uh, coffee shop. Um, how does h- how did you land where you are now? What's the backstory?
1: Well, I think it all really comes down to Rose. You know, uh, I'm I'm the public face of the company, but really Rose is a sort of like uh, the motor that goes behind it. And um, she ran a little coffee shop in in town, as you know, above her mother's bookstore. And she was working with the the Young Actors Co-op as well. And, uh, just one day decided, you know, I'm not convinced that our coffee is as good as it could be, that we know as much about coffee that we should, and wouldn't it be interesting and exciting to roast our own coffee? And, um, I took that and, and took it way farther than she ever thought that (laughs) that we would take it. I think she maybe regrets sometimes having said that out loud. Because, uh, as you said, you know, I was a writer. I, w- I went to graduate school for writing, um, but I was working construction all through graduate school to keep my to to pay for school. And um, then I continued to work construction when I moved back to Floyd. And and I just finished uh, building a deck in uh, ten zero to ten below weather. Uh, that winter. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea,
0: honey. <laughs> Let's do something that doesn't involve me outside at 10 below. That's fantastic. Well, it's, it's, you and I have that in common. Cause my very first gig when I, when my family and I moved to Floyd was, was construction just because it's, it's the kind of work that you can always find in a small town like this. Yes. And uh, I, I think my last day was a 10 degree day <laughs> as well. Um, so you guys kind of it sounds like curiosity and and it was part of it but I'm sure there was also um, a little necessity or urgency as well I do remember the, the Blackwater loft um, early days and I remember at that time there was actually two or three coffee shops back in the yes. day um, yeah and you know for those that are not tuning in from our beautiful burg of Floyd Virginia Floyd is not exactly a major hub that supports uh usually multiple variants of the same enterprise it's not a three coffee shop town it's not not
1: anymore (laughs) And, and i don't think it could be you know it wouldn't sustain it but but um you know i don't know and i'm not sure that that had as much to do with it except for that like we were we were sort of just interested in a more uh creative pursuit honestly and and so um she had been thinking a lot about it just because I i think I had been sort of like asking her a lot of questions and pushing her to think about like, well, what are you going to do with this business? And like, what are your goals with the business? Um, and where does it go from here? Because it started out as a hobby that she started with her sisters and her mother and she would travel back and forth from New York City and make, go make money in New York and then come back and, and not make money in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 was really part of the thing that pushed her to be like, well, what if we expanded our offerings? What if we expanded what we did and started to think about this in the long term, instead of just a,
0: a footnote, you know? Well, and I love what you just said about kind of intention and kind of bringing in some design thinking or systems thinking into the whole thing is, you know, how do we do what we do and, and do it better? And, you know, what, what are, What's this business really here for? Is are we here to just just pour whatever coffee happens to be made available to us? And you guys started roasting coffee downstairs in the back room of the old um, of the old building, but it very quickly became apparent to a lot of us in town that you know you guys weren't just roasting coffee for us; that the coffee was also going elsewhere. How did how did the the business you know go from just the coffee shop to expanding into the roastery and now you are actually shipping coffee all over the place
1: yeah well i think that uh some of it is just raw ambition and and um blind uh sort of confidence and blind luck at the same time uh that that um we always said to ourselves, like, we're, we're going to take advantage of the fact that we will have local customers and we will brand ourselves initially as a local business. But we never want people to buy us just because we're local. That was like a that was something that meant a lot to me from the very beginning is I don't want people's sympathy money. I don't want people to be like, oh, yeah, well, I should do this because I know Hayden and he's on hard times and we better go buy a cup of coffee, you know. Uh, Even though it doesn't taste good and we're just doing it because like he waves at me on the street. Um, I wanted people to drink the coffee and and think this is an experience. This is new. This is interesting. This is something that I cannot get in this region. I mean, and I think that truly, honestly, you can't get coffee as good as what Red Rooster does within a hundred miles of what Red Rooster does. Um, And we, that is not by accident. That is through lots and lots and lots of hard work and lots and lots of of, uh, trial and error. And that, you know, along the way, I I had friends who were the owners and CEOs of companies that were, um, you know, much more like in the public threshold. And I worked a lot with them and talked a lot with them about like what kind of decisions they were making and how they were, how they were moving their businesses and growing their businesses and like I could never keep up with what like a, a, a company in the tech sector does, you know, from, from where we are because we're selling a, a manufactured product um, in the, from the middle of nowhere in a lot of ways. But uh, I took a lot of the, the, the things that they said to heart and I shared a lot of their ambition to be able to grow the company, to meet, to, to, to be um, just a player in terms of the conversation about quality on the national scene. That's, that, that was sort of the ground, that was the ground floor for me. It's like if we could get up to the point where people would mention us in the same names as other quality coffee roasters, then that would, I mean, in some ways that would satisfy my ego, (laughs) you know, to say
0: that we had achieved something that was special. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a great story. And I think it's a, a great perspective. I know, you know, when I was primarily making my living as a musician, and booking myself in and around the region, you know, that um, the idea that people put you into a a little – box that says local musician you know kind of can be very limiting in many many ways because local musician can mean amateur musician musician or not so very good musician or charity case musician that we're going to employ because he waves to us on the street (laughs) and i would always tell people i'm actually not a local musician i'm i'm actually just a musician that happens to live locally (laughs) and um i don't you know that 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 sense of um I think ambition is is an interesting way to frame it, but it's I, I see you and, and many of the other creatives and entrepreneurs that we've had on the broadcast in, in this season, featured people from in and around Floyd, as being people being interested in exploring possibility and pushing up against the edges to see how far beyond where they're at they can reach. Um, especially for people like you that have worked very very hard at your craft. I mean you you guys have it's easy for most of us that see your your operation on a day-to-day basis to see that you are paying a lot of attention, a lot of attention, putting a lot of intention and 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 being and going into your work with a lot of integrity to make sure that you are creating the the very best product that you are able to produce. Based on all the things you can control, which is just the beans that happen to be available at the time and the machinery that you can afford and and the market that you have. Um, so, what's but there is a piece of your business that has reached beyond beyond Floyd in terms of sending your product out out way way outside of a hundred mile radius.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean we. we- through our online sales, we sell coffee all over the country. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting in a, in a hotel, uh, as I mentioned to you before we started, uh, I'm sitting in a hotel on K street in downtown Washington, DC. That's a, a, co-working space, cafe, a fine dining restaurant and a banquet event space as long as, as well as a hotel. And every part of this hotel serves our coffee. So, um, this is a rare example, but it's something that, um, it is a part of what we do and we have other businesses that are maybe not quite this big uh, throughout the state in Maryland, North Carolina, West Virginia, that use our coffee for their grocery co-op cafe for their, for their, um, you know, fancy coffee shop for, for whatever the purpose is we try and be available for that. And I think a lot of it is, is, you know, you, you talked about intention. I, I think that's probably where it comes from. You know, is the the ability to to put together, um, to be open to what quality means to different people and to be intentional about that. And so that we serve many different audiences and we are able to uh, have coffee that serves the very high end audience that wants a, a single origin light roasted coffee that tastes very specific to the region that it came from and the processing method. Um, but then you, you also have like a big squishy middle of coffee consumers, which is like, I want it to taste good. And that is maybe the end of my thinking about it. And don't try and make me think too much about it. Just don't make it taste bad. <laughs> you know, uh, it's if it's not bitter. And um, if it's if it's uh, presented to me in a, you know, beautiful way, let's say, and I don't have to uh, put too much thought into it, but I just am confident that it's done the right way and it tastes good to me, then that's all I need to know. And, you know, I think that I, I was thinking today about how when I started out, I was very insecure about my ability to roast coffee. I, I, I would like to point out that I don't roast coffee anymore and that the coffee is way better because I don't roast it. We have uh, Tony Gretorix is our head roaster and, and the coffee is way better because he roasts it. But I was very insecure about our understanding of coffee, about the, about roasting coffee, about everything going into it, because I came to it completely blind. I came to it like almost in a sort of like academic way, mm-hmm. where to say like I read all the books, I you know I called all the people that would answer the phone, I went and took classes uh, at bigger companies who offered classes, and I. I, I was always worried about being specialty enough, about being fancy enough, about people being, you know, thinking that we were high enough quality outside of Floyd. Um, and that, that was a pervasive notion that always lingered, like was, was a devil on my shoulder, basically pushing me to do better, to have higher quality, to be able to have people respond to the coffee in a way that was like very, that was a, a positive affirmation of the quality. Once I reached that level, then I was able to read, to look back and say, like, there, there are many different ways of perceiving quality. There are, and there are many different audiences for different levels of quality, and not, and one is not necessarily better than another. Than another, it's just that one is very specific, a very specific audience, which has to do with like coffee professionals and coffee uh, enthusiasts. But that's probably like 3 to 5% of coffee drinkers, right? right? Um, and so uh, I think it, that's, that, that the ability to see both sides of the coin has certainly helped us grow and spread a little bit by being able to, to talk to people and say, like, it's okay for coffee to be accessible, for it to be fun, for it to be easy to drink and not be a challenge. But we can also offer the challenge,
0: you know? Uh, I think that's really what I'm hearing is a really high level of kind of bringing empathy into the process, like understanding that the story and, you know, the story that you might, the story in somebody else's head about what better is or tastes like may is different than the story that that the guy to the left and the gal to the right is telling themselves. Yeah. Then you have a story that you're trying to. And so it's this empathy dance of trying to, See here and understand other people's perspective and deliver uh, a product for the you know for the you, the right product for the right audiences. Um, I think is is something that we all dance with, regardless of you know what service or uh, role or or product that we're involved. Absolutely, in. absolutely. So that brings us to this idea of relationships. So you, one of the things that has been a common theme. And this season is just talking a, a little bit about, you know, the way the community of Floyd impacts the business. You obviously also have uh, you have a great collection of folks that are working for you. You mentioned Tony there. Um, you know, I interact with uh, the guy, guys and gals behind the counter every day. And it's a fantastic group of of people. Um and then you have relationships outside of the business but with your, your wholesalers and your retailers and so mm-hmm. forth. What, 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 How do you, how do you think about th- those various roles and the importance of relationships and the community building part of, of what you're doing? I remember like about 18
1: months in where I, um, you know, I was, I was resistant to being like a businessman. I think I still am, uh, and, uh, but I, I remember just having this epiphany where I was like, business is just a bunch of relationships. <laughs> uh, and like you can, you can work within them the same way that you work with your other relationships and that if you make them good, then, then it's rewarding. And I think that I, uh, you know, just tried to take that to heart basically is that like if you work on the relationships the same way that you work on your personal relationships, your friendships, your parents, your spouse, your children, um, then you know that you'll be rewarded, uh, and and not only in a monetary way, you know you'll be you'll be rewarded through having a, a more satisfying life. So so, yeah. I mean, we, Rose and I dive really deep on on trying to work with our staff and care about our staff and 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 and, and create a culture where everybody feels welcome and feels like part of something and and you know we have you know we i i see the reason why people have team building you know, why corporations have team building events because that, that that's important i mean you spend so much of your life at work and and i don't want people to come to come to work for me feeling like it's a slog you yeah. feeling like it's it's a weight on their shoulders and and by the same token i don't want my wholesale customers to feel like oh god every time hayden calls me he's trying to sell me something you know I, I want people to feel like, oh, I it's Hayden. I wonder what he's up to and, and vice versa. You know?
0: So really? go ahead. I was just going to say I really love that. I mean, one of the things, as you know, that, that I do is work in um, some online programs where I'm coaching. And one of those is the marketing seminar where we talk a lot about B2B businesses and B2C businesses and then managing, you know, uh, entrepreneurs managing staffs. Uh, businesses, managing employees, or, or and so forth. And one of the things that I've learned through doing that work uh, as somebody that doesn't have a marketing background and doesn't have a, a, a lot of experience in a big entrepreneurial enterprise is that it always boils down to h to h It's all human-to-human interactions. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're talking about customers or business partners or employees or bosses um, at, at a just kind of a kind of base level we we are human beings all doing our best uh or what we think is best based on the information and experiences we, we maybe we not have. everybody's doing their best <laughs> well i think they i think most everybody thinks at least that they're doing the best they can with yeah. what, what they have um my favorite way of saying is i'm just doing the best i can yeah. with what little god gave me <laughs> and, uh hope, hoping the check clears um Along with those relationships, I'd love to dive just a little bit into um, some of your past experiences that, that may or may not have been informative of where you're at now. Do you have a, a person in your life, a teacher, a mentor, uh, a, a friend, a, or anybody in, in your past that you feel was a really pivotal uh, character in, in your development and, Either where you're at now in business or where you're at now as a human being.
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I think I have several. I mean, I mean, obviously, first is my parents. I mean, I think that there's no way that I could answer that question without talking about my mom and dad, who are um, ceramicists, who are studio potters, and you know, made their lives through creativity, through through art, uh, incredibly talented, uh, and open, warm, loving people who, you know, uh, I'm, I'm insanely proud of, um, you know, uh, in, in business, uh, I, I, when I started out, I think certainly that Woody Crenshaw, uh, always lent, lent me his ear, uh, you know, lent me money lent, and, and took care, took, took me under his wing, uh, which was. Really critical when we were starting out, you know. He's a very, very um, helpful and wise person who, you know, has a so, you know, a lot of people have a conflicted relationship with him, but I think he's an amazing person and he helped me out a lot. And as as my business grew, um, you know, I have as I mentioned, I had a couple of friends, uh, a guy named Yancey who was a co-founder of Kickstarter, and um, another another guy who was in the technology sector uh, in Silicon Valley named Brendan who both just like let me bounce ideas off of them and and gave me lots and lots of great feedback through questions really I mean that was in, that's the best part about working with people who are already successful that they that don't have anything to prove is that they can ask you leading questions <laughs> that, that, that would take you on a journey of making the decision yourself and seeing where you need to be <laughs> without sort of like Stamping their imprint on it and and making you feel like it's not your idea, you know what I mean. So, I think those four people, um, had, you know, five people. Like, I made my parents into one person. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, had okay.
1: the, they probably all had the biggest impact in my in my business life. But you know, I started, I even have bosses in the past that I just like take. Pieces of what I saw as successful management of what they did that was positive, and and leave the things that maybe didn't work as well, and um, and you know, I mean, my my old boss Ed Irwin, who I work construction for, like I, there's a lot of positive personnel management stuff that I took from him. That was able he was able to like have an uh, be an authority, and still be well liked and and respected by his staff, and that that's a tremendous balance.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, because you want to be liked. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, belonging and, and feeling safe and feeling respected is are, those are just basic. That's part of the H two H thing that we we're just talking about for sure. Uh, so, uh, another question that that may have helped inform where you're at now. I mean, I, I'm you know in any enterprise that's entrepreneurial and creative and um, you know where you're really leaning into possibility um, there's always the potential that things might not work out or not work out just the way you thought and I'm and we all make mistakes along the way what's what's do you feel like is the biggest mistake you made um, in the journey to where you there's are so now many. and well what's the what what's a big one and then <laughs> what did you what did you know how did you recover and what did you learn?
1: Well, I, I think that um, a general, a, a sort of general problem that I have that has reared its head several times is getting sort of um, over over eager, basically, mm-hmm. and thinking like, well, yeah, why not? Let's just like we can do that too. Or here's this person who like has this great idea, and let's just let's just see if it works. Let's just let's just try it. But, you know, managing a small company means that you, you know, as the owner, I really am managing every, every individual there because we're about 30 people, right? So I don't have like a hierarchy of management where there are people underneath me who are really managing the people. It's really me and Rose managing the people. And that means that, a lot of my days are filled up doing that. So when I add more to my plate through ambition or through like being starry eyed or through just like thinking that I'm Superman, then like I build the tower that inevitably crumbles. And I, I have, I mean, I think I've done that lots of times over the course of, um, of owning the business because like I maybe I get like distracted I get maybe like temporarily bored with the with the with the status quo and having everything just work, and I think like, Oh well, we can add to this, we can mm-hmm. do more when actually like what we what what we should be doing is we should be refining what we're doing to such a high efficiency and such an exacting level of uh excellence that um there would be no question that it was time to add something else. Or we would say, let's go on vacation instead of adding something else. Mm-hmm. Or instead of trying this idea that we don't know if it's going to work, but it seems like a good idea, well, let's just give it a whirl. And all of a sudden, I'm buried in a mountain of yeah. of work that's going nowhere, that's not profitable. And, and um, that was really just ended up being a distraction and a waste of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I can... Definitely relate. When when you experience a little bit of success at the beginning, it can be easy to think that because you were a little successful at the beginning that you can be a little, a little successful in whatever you decide to do. And yeah. again, circling back to that idea of design thinking, like just always keeping in mind what it's for. And if your business is, has a clear intention, um, it's not so much... an additive process of how many more things can you do but what are the things that you can can either add or subtract that make you do what you're intending to do even better there's a famous quote i can't remember who it comes from or where it comes from about the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is an additive process and wisdom is a process of subtraction and sometimes it it can be Uh, really hard to resist the the impulse to add uh, especially when things seem to be you know going going pretty well. I love that. Um, so just a couple last question as we're starting to, uh, to, to wrap up, sure. um, if you, well, let's just, let's, we'll keep it, keep it easy. A, a, a favorite book, movie or documentary, any kind of piece of media that, that you refer to over and over again, that, that has somehow kind of influenced who you are is, as a business person or otherwise. Sure as a business person or otherwise (sighs) you're so much more than red rooster Coffeehead. No, I know. I mean, and I, and
1: I think when I, when I think about books, I think about creative writing literature, you know, I think, um, because I was a, I was an aspiring novelist. And so I still, I still have that part of part of me, you know, Mm. hanging out there. So, um, I love it. What's a favorite novel? Well, I think that the, uh, the first two books of the, uh, Frank Bascom trilogy by Richard Ford are still like, still hang out there in my mind as the, as my favorite books, uh, mm. uh, the sports writer and independence day. And it, they, I could just, they're, they're kind of like candy, you know, I could pick them up at any time and read them and, and I could pick them up in any place and just read a chapter and be, uh, totally enthralled. And, and, and it's very comforting, you know, uh, it's like kind of a warm blanket. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was, I was sort of lamenting to myself recently that I don't, re- I don't read a lot of like business, uh, self-help or like management tool books and that maybe I should get a little bit more involved in like thinking about that kind of thing because I, um, uh, cause I don't have a plan that's, a, I mean, I think that that's like, <laughs> I need to, I need help, uh, creating a plan because I've been going by the seat of my pants and, and I think a decade is probably like as long as you can go by the seat of
0: your pants. Um, it's time um, to I, I'm, time. I would assert that we learn best by doing the work that we want to do, and you have certainly been doing all that, so I'm going to let you off the hook, beating <laughs> yourself up on that one. Um, I think there is a time and a place for learning, but you can learning can be a seductive place to hide sometimes, too, and learning is only as useful as it is being put into practice. Yeah. Um, and and you have certainly been walking the walk. So we're going to wrap it up with one last question. What's a tip or piece of advice that you would like to leave listeners in, especially those that endeavor to fly higher in, in some enterprise or, or creative um, endeavor that where they seek to make a difference in the world.
1: Well, I think it actually sort of like goes against what I was saying, but when you're starting out, I think that the answer is to say Yes. To almost everything, and to and and that that, like by figuring out the problems presented by saying yes, you solve a lot of problems uh, that you'll come across in the future. And if somebody says, "Can you do this?" and it's an opportunity, um, you know, the answer should be yes. To be to be positive and trust yourself and think like I can figure it out. And then there's a there's a chance for creativity, and there's a chance for problem solving, and there's a there's like an excitement and adrenaline that feeds. Uh, those moments and I see a lot of people be like oh no we don't that's not the kind of thing we do you know call mm-hmm. us if you do it like this and and you, you don't grow that way you don't grow as a person and you don't grow
0: your business yeah yeah uh, I think that's a fan, that's a fantastic place to end. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And thank you, Hayden. Uh, we uh, we both appreciate all of you out there lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Hayden and Red Rooster Coffee Roasters at, give us the website one more time, Hayden. RedRoosterCoffee.com and, of course, Instagram, Red Rooster Coffee Roaster. And of course, it's always great to hear from you as well at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Hayden Palsano, Hensley, thanks so much for lending us some of your time and expertise today. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.